Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. It's all good. We just lost 10 minutes of footage of recording because I didn't hit record. I'm trying to recreate yeah. the moment that was actually... Yeah, all the, all the amazing jokes we had before. Yeah, yeah that's not a good joke anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we got more stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm in the Netherlands and you're in Toronto. And it's a pandemic. We got good it's internet. It's a pandemic. It's an election week. <laughs> you have great internet. We're just summarizing what we talked about. And you're getting a new car and you're embarrassed that it's an expensive car. It's not that expensive, you know, with taxes no. and everything. I figured it all out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, the thing is, if you're an artist, you have like, there are great tax loopholes available to you in most countries uh, that most artists don't take advantage of. Because I, I wouldn't call those loopholes. They're just deductibles for self-employed people. Yeah, They're not any specific for artists. No, that's true. But any artist can call themselves self-employed because they are self-employed. Yeah. And then that you really should not be paying for a lot of things that if you're, if you're earning an income from multiple sources, uh, you're probably in a position where you're, you're not, you re- I mean, you should pay taxes. Don't get me wrong, but artists who are often not in a great financial position. Yeah. But I think you're saying artists, but I think our audience is wider than that. So it's self-employed programmers, uh, designers. freelance uh, designers, freelance consultants, writers. Yeah. Uh, and someone uh, might, someone might be like, how can you afford that car? Or whatever you'd be like, well, because I wrote off a hundred percent of it on my taxes, you know, yeah. that's totally legit. Yeah, because you need that car to get around. You got to do your studio visit. Like you're always telling me, don't hate yourself. Exactly. But it's not only that. It's like don't prevent yourself from being successful. It's like, no, I wouldn't want to give the impression that I'm doing well as an artist because then I might not have good opportunities. And then, well, you're saying you can deduct a car, and that doesn't mean you have to have a douchebag car like you have. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm getting like a Mustang with superchargers now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you, Actually, are you still thinking of getting the Cybertruck next year? So I have this, re- yeah, I have a reservation for the Cybertruck, which came out like a year ago now, right? As a, like a, an idea. It is, it is interesting, this sort of uh, brand association and that you don't agree with a lot of what Elon Musk does on social media. That's right. And then but, it's, the Tesla is not such a statement, but the Cybertruck would really be a statement. And you'd be kind of like, I'm sort of like a electric car future prepper and i'm stand with elon musk <laughs> totally but what I can, what's interesting is that electric cars have become um representative of like these neoliberal values like did you see the new hummer ev like the hummer which was like you know the most and that always made like, sense to me that that preppers would be into electric because you can have solar and you're kind of off the grid yeah, but what are we living in a world where it's like a liberal person drives like a a gas guzzling volvo i know it's very postmodern it's yeah. weird like yeah, like I mean, a, maybe a liberal should should drive a really old car that is very inefficient and the yeah everything's oh, all twisted Everything, up and I guess everything's the, upside the, down yeah and the one thing we were gonna I mean there's two things actually it's a good segue into the movie but obviously we're on the verge of a major election in the United States and a lot of our American friends are very very worried like tangibly worried and and I didn't really get it until. Um, Kristen's like, you better stop and get educated, Jeremy. And like, you know, so I watched some videos and stuff and realized. But what do they think that what's the worst case scenario? Worst case scenario is the Constitution actually doesn't. um, In theory, uh, it's all it's all kind of a story we tell ourselves like a bit of a fairy tale. But the the voting actually does not um, matter to uh, who is elected president. Oh, yeah. 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 So uh, a, a president. It voluntarily concedes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what election. you mean. Yeah. So they can ch- if they they can choose not to, and then if they do that, um, eventually there's a vote in Congress, and in Congress, the vote is not based on um, like the delegate. So it's not the number of seats you get. It's by state, like some arcane thing that goes back to the 1800s, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's like the red states versus blue states. If you had 25 representatives, you still get one vote as a state as if you're like an independent. Yeah. It's like the electoral college. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, you know, fully understand. All I know is that the Congress in theory, even though it's Democrat is actually more red states in Congress as a whole than blue. And so Trump. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The the idea that it's disproportionate to the population. It's more by surface area on the, on the, on the map. Than by yeah, exactly. Population. Yeah, totally weird. And then, um, 
yeah, so I know Walmart's apparently stopped selling guns and people are talking about civil war. So it's a bit bananas, really. It's like a, the end of a John, uh, sorry, not John Cage, a Nicolas Cage movie. I mm. feel like it's like I, I, someone's flying an airplane and it's funny an oil patch or something. Media exaggerates any danger. So mm-hmm. whatever danger is, they exaggerate. But by exaggerating it, they make it real. So it's, it's tricky, yeah? That's a good segue. Reality. Yeah. Um, which I think... What is reality? Yeah. What is reality? I think that's, that is a good segue into this week's movie, which you say is the bad Bill Murray film of the two Bill Murray... Well, you, Coppola. You, you, you were taking a sip of your soda and said, oh, Suntory times. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that was the good one. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. Suntory times. Um, yeah. It's Suntory time. Yeah, but that's from Lost in Translation. Yeah. Which was Did, a... You, Sophia what, and Cope, we haven't what, did that, that movie have an impact on you at the time? At the time, ish. Um, at the time, like I was of an age that I think that movie and the melancholy you feel in that movie, the detachment from reality, um, resonates because you're still in the in the stage of forming an identity, right? Mm-hmm. And which maybe never ends, but like especially in those your early twenties when I saw it, yeah, um, and. I did, but I think I would identify with it more now as Bill Murray. Like, so, <laughs> the horny old man. <laughs> <laughs> Not really that. I don't think he's horny in, that, horny in that movie. And that's another thing about this movie where, so we're reviewing On the Rocks, and it's with Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, Marlon Wayans, which I didn't realize. He's one of the Wayans brothers, right? Yeah. But he has, he has a relatively minor role, even though he's the center of the plot. Yeah, it's weird. They don't let him talk that much. Yeah, I know, and he's not a good, great actor. I hate to say. No, that. I mean it's well, really weird. No, I, I think I think it's like he's a good actor for a certain type of character and for being very high energy. Yeah. And this role required him to be very low energy, and I don't think that's his strength. No, I think you're right, and I think like um, the movie centers on two of like okay, so you've got so it's royal. This is like a royalty film, in that you've got Rashida Jones. Who grew the daughter up, of Quincy, Quincy Jones? Daughter of Quincy Jones grew up in Hollywood royalty. You've got Bill Murray, who is who is declared like a saint, I think, by like the New Yorker or whatever. But he's like transcended Hollywood. Yeah, become, he went like, from goofy from SNL to goofy college comedy, and then to more respected, uh, critically acclaimed movies. And but does whatever he wants, you know. And then you got Sofia Coppola, obviously daughter to Francis Ford Coppola, who has built. A reputation as an auteur like probably the, is it the only transference of auteur status from like a father to daughter father to son i anyway, guess yeah it's so not easy hard to fill the shoes yeah of one one's uh, parents that way and then this film also is about filling the shoes of parents uh and centers on rashida jones's character and her relationship with marlon wayne since she's in her late 30s and worried that he's you know lot out of fallen out of love with her and is cheating on her, and so well, Bill yeah. Murray, let's let's set the the context a little bit so that well, that's it's what a, I was doing. Well, you didn't explain <laughs> where they're living. Or where you in were New about York, to. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, I, I think it's relevant because I think a lot of people who don't live in New York see this movie and they're like, "Oh, it's a young family in an apartment, and it's kind of tight." And but they were on Bond Street in Soho, and that's an amazingly desirable location. So mm. the idea is that the they were making a lot of money. They were still living in the city, but uh, I, I well, he does think mention, he does mention that he's killing it, you know, as a business. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. But so young family, mother, father, and two kids, and the father's very busy building his business, so he's not home very much. And the mom is a writer, and she's kind of uninspired and starts to worry about the relationship. Yeah, and then her father, who's this like kind of goofy, eccentric, say, but also dealer. like. Yeah, like womanizing, you know, older man who's very wealthy. It was an art dealer, I think, is what they imply yeah. in the film. And he, he's he like, just a funny guy. He doesn't take life too seriously. Yeah, but he kind of plants the seed as this, as he's like, I'm a womanizer. I know what men are like. Your husband that is definitely cheating on you. And yeah. so they, they hatch this plan to sort of stalk the husband together. And it's really like almost like a buddy movie, like a... Uh, like a buddy cop, almost like a cop movie. And he's a bad influence. She's like, oh, I'm not suspicious of him. He's like, no, 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 I know, guys. We should follow him around and like just get in the car. So he's, yeah. always, he's always pushing her to do make bad decisions. 
And this is a movie on Apple TV Plus if you're looking for it. Um, and the, I think the, the the reason it's relevant is that uh, both the Quincy Jones and Francis Ford Coppola are sort of daring uh, characters who who changed mm-hmm. who who changed their category that they worked in, either music or movies. Mm-hmm. So the father also is a rule breaker in this movie. He's, it doesn't yeah, go I really by the. Th- I know that Bill Murray and you know Quincy Jones are not definitely not the same people, but Rashida playing uh, the daughter of Bill Murray has that kind of like she must have felt that way a little bit with her own father, or still feels that way yeah. with Quincy Jones, um, yeah. like this legend uh, that you everyone around you has to you know is impressed by, but you're just the daughter, and you're like whatever, that's just dad, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and also dad's like total you know dick to women or whatever, so. I don't know. You said that you don't think it's great, but I'm curious why. Because there are well, some things about the movie. That I think there really was good. a lot of things. I, I f- felt like Bill Murray was felt like the only charismatic, interesting role. Like he was mm. the only person that you were curious about what was he what he was going to say. And we definitely and have like to do, all, we have to do some deep cuts on Bill Murray in this episode. Okay, but it felt like all the other characters were reading lines. It didn't feel like I wasn't convinced for a second that they were their characters. I just felt like they were reading lines. I felt like that's so ironic, given Bill Murray's like normal role as like yeah. detached. Like he's not. He's usually not a part of the film. He's like I mean, the, the, the whole construct of the movie that she's worried about her husband, but she doesn't even once talk to him. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where like the. And then I he, th- I think he looks very athletic, but he's supposed to be like a tech startup nerd building a company. And I, I don't know any tech startup nerd that looks that muscular. So mm. I wasn't convinced by his physicality. It felt like his physicality was repressed. And I think the, I don't, it's hard to remember everything about the movie, but everything felt like you were looking at a rehearsal for acting. Hmm. That's interesting because so I I did like the first of all I like the fact that it's like a father daughter um, relationship which you don't often but I guess see. it's similar to Lost in Translation that you never see the boyfriend it's all about the girl yeah I think the movie is most that's why I said like I don't think Marlon Wayans is really has anything to do with the film outside of being like but in that's in, what in Lost in Translation the the boyfriend really hardly has any dialogue in this movie they do. Get back together and talk to each other, and then he he gets her an expensive gift, and then she finally understands he loves her. Yeah. So, but he gets like two minutes of airtime total, probably in the whole film. Meanwhile, like it's mostly about Rashida and Bill, kind of like in their madcap, um, you know, run, you know, chasing after him, or just yeah, in yeah. in various clubs and restaurants all over New York. And I thought it was interesting. It is filmed in New York, and and he like Bill Murray's like actually driving the car around and apparently got into trouble with the police while he was filming. Um, so, you know, like that that sort of vintage, he's driving a vintage sports car around there and they're eating caviar. And it's, it's very much like, it's a not relatable story that is trying, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is not a story that anyone It's like people who are to. out of touch. It's not, yeah. your, it's not your life, right? Uh, it's no well, it's one close to my that. life, but yeah. It, yeah, it's pretty. <laughs> no, I was watching it with Christina, and and we were both like, she's like, oh, that apartment is so amazing, blah blah blah, and we could never afford that because you know that that apartment they were in, the rent is fifteen to twenty thousand a month or something. Yeah, well, like you said, it's in Soho, so, so it's it's an order of magnitude more than we do. But I was like, I think we're closer in life to this movie than a lot of people in the country who are watching it. So you have to be careful of your perspective. Like you're living in a loft in a nice area of Toronto, and might not be that big but it is relatable to you yeah 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 no no okay yeah I, I like your dad is an eccentric creative and uh and uh, he's not as rich as bill murray in this movie but he's he's very comfortable he could he could buy a classic car potentially yeah he's yeah. on he, he, yeah yeah so he's the, cars like that yeah that's what i mean like how far is this movie it might not be relatable to a lot of people who don't live in new york or in toronto but Okay, well, let's say that's true, or regardless of whether it's true, there's still the relationship between father and daughter. A lot. I mean, of how relatable is it, are the Marvel movies or Star Wars? Because you don't live in a spaceship either. So no, that's true. Actually, and that's where I think, you know, it's interesting to talk about both Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, but especially Bill Murray, because the role he normally plays in films kind of follows this, like, you know, quote unquote Brechtian philosophy of like he's aware that he's in a movie. 
and he makes it well known to you that yeah. you know, everything's in quotes, right? Like everything's well, super yeah. sarcastic. Did you see that that recent zombie movie by Jim Jarmusch? And he's in it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. then they he's even a, what do you call it? They break the fourth wall. They start talking to the camera. And it's like, did you read the script? And like d- in the middle yeah. of the movie. And that's classic Bill Murray, like going back to Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day. It's like, it's it's also like when you watch an SNL sketch and the person is going through the lines and laughing at the writer that wrote the they lines. They can't hold it, yeah. Scene, you know? Yeah, and they're kind of like also putting a spin on it. And, and it makes the audience, the whole, the concept there from the philosophical standpoint, which is not Bill Murray's invention. Like I said, it goes back like, you know, hundreds of years and and. You know, I think it's attributed to folks like Brecht and stuff like that as a postmodern ideal. But the whole the whole thing is that um, there's comedy and in the detachment, but there's also forcing your audience to think about what they're watching. Right. Because the artifice of the movie making process sometimes means that we stop thinking. Right. We just and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Right. Where we just like. We we just are immersed in quote unquote like it's like the Spielberg thing where it's like I just yeah. you know everything to disappear and for the audience to like but escape the, but this is the opposite of escapism. But for me the it's movie, like, for me the movie just was hard to watch not thinking about the platform it was made for. It, it I think I was very aware of it all the time. It's like it felt like watching an Apple ad the whole time. Oh, that's interesting. But that's and, even, that's even really and, interesting. And thinking about how Apple is sort of like. Well, we because you're talking about relatable, a lot of advertising mm-hmm. is aspirational. Like you watch James Bond wearing a certain type of watch, which is maybe a lesser expensive watch than what the crazy rich people would wear. And you're like, well, I'm not as rich as James Bond, but I can afford that watch and I want to be part of that. All right. Yeah. So right, you might not be able to, to get the classic car, but then you might like the jacket that Bill Murray is wearing. And then you get that and you feel like you're part of it. So it, it kind of felt, you know how Apple uh, sort of presents a world that's unattainable, but you, you, the phone is part of it and you can get that. Well, I didn't realize, I don't know, I, I don't actually know whether this was exclusively produced for Apple in the first place. But probably, it's playing maybe. in the theaters here in Europe because I don't think they have Apple TV here. But uh, but it's an, it's an A24 production, which yeah. is a, kind of like, you know, it's the mainstream yeah. house. But the way I see it it's more is that Apple is like, is, is like, okay, at first they're like, we need a Game of Thrones for our network. So they did that mm-hmm. one with the, the blind tribe and then yes, one person. You, you love talking about the Momoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I haven't even seen it. Joke. Yeah. But yeah. then I listen to a lot of podcasts about streaming and the future of media and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, Apple TV is getting better and they're the new HBO. And we're one year into Apple TV right now, yeah. right? And they're like, mm-hmm. everybody was praising the show Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah, Ted Lasso, great show. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I watched one episode, and I'm like, this is probably the worst show I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. I can't it's believe total, it. it. I mean, it's total, like, schlock, and but it, it's fun. And it just it's feels good. like they have this spreadsheet with target audiences, and they're like, okay, well, this is our feel-good show for dads, and then this is our drama show for high schoolers, yeah. and then this is... And that's it why just the felt- first show Apple ever produced was their best. It was called Planet of the Apps. It oh, yeah, that's the best. It was a con- contest. <laughs> With Will I Am. the best app. Will I Am was the judge. <laughs> it was fantastic. People had to, they only had the time to go down it an escalator. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. To give an elevator pitch. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I, once, but- I once played that at a party. Uh, and I was in Oslo at a residency. I was like, we have to watch all the whole like season of the apps. It's like my going away party. And I eventually got like pushed aside. Like people refused to watch. They're so angry with me. Yeah. But <laughs> th- this it. movie definitely felt like, hey, all these kids that used to skateboard and listen to Sonic Youth, now they're working at ad agencies and they have about this much disposable income and that's the people we want to reach. So we want to have Spike Jones, and we want to have... Sofia Coppola, and then we get the street artists that are related to them to do the title design and whatever, and it's, they they have it all figured out. Mm, I think I see what you're saying. Like the demographic of the probably the median age of a millennial is like thirty three or thirty four now, right? So yeah, yeah. Rashida Jones is on the upper limits. Like they can cover the widest swath of millennials yeah. with this movie, and Bill Murray is the most relatable old person <laughs> that yeah. they possibly put it in. Yeah. He just turned seventy, actually. So he's but legit. but maybe um, what I mean is, it felt like 
this was an extension of a proven formula. This was not a new idea. So they're like, yeah, we like Lost in Translation, so let's do the same thing, but in Soho. Um, but I don't know if it's Lost in Translation so much. Uh, like, I guess it's Sofia Coppola, because all of her films have a, some character that's staring out a window or like <laughs> yeah. trying I'm to so figure rich out. and so miserable what can i <laughs> yeah, do like exactly like exactly marie antoinette lost yeah. in translation you mentioned virgin suicides i think uh, it's often women Andy that are Warhol had this expression poor little rich girl he, he called some because there would be these socialites that hang out with him and he's like you're my poor little rich girl and the, yeah, to me, it's like there's that new Justin, is it a Justin Bieber song or a Drake song? No, it's a Drake song. It's about being like, it's when a celebrity starts like making songs about how lonely. No, it's it's Justin Bieber. He has a song, song about being lonely. Was it on SNL on his performance? Yeah, there? yeah, he performed yeah. it. <laughs> but being lonely while a celebrity is like a cliche that eventually all celebrities get to, right? Like, I'm so famous, but I'm I so do, lonely. and that does seem when you, when your business is your face, it's very mm-hmm. hard to meet new friends that are neutral because everybody has, there's a okay. business, there's a transactional nature to your social life. So then let's double back on Bill Murray here for a second because, like, Bill Murray famously, you know, you can't, he doesn't have an agent. The only way you can get in touch with him is with the 1 800 number. Um, yeah, you leave a voicemail. A a he might call yeah. you back. And, you know, he does weird things. Like, he shows up and he's like a bartender at South by Southwest one year or he's like, <laughs> You know, he's trick or treating the next or whatever it is. Like he's, he's one of those people and, that that transcended. Uh, 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 like, like he's he's a guy that doesn't do auditions. Let's put it that way. I think what he he's smarter than I all I always know he's way smarter than he lets on. And like in every interview, he's just like, oh God, I have to go through this ridiculous idiot performance, you know, of, <laughs> of an interview, because yeah. Similar to like an Elon Musk or something like that, he's re- he realizes that like to, you can't compete by the same rules as everyone else, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So he's you know he's like, how am I going to get in the media or press? Oh, I know. Like, I will I will avoid the press and I will do it. I'll yeah, do something where true. they can't, you know, where everyone where it's normal people, you know, are posting about me on Instagram or whatever. So I think he's always known that about himself. Like he's developed that over time, obviously. But he's it's, very it's much like. like uh, Everyone is competing somewhere, and he's like, I'm just going to hang out on my own island. Well, I also realized, like, <clears throat> the brilliance of his comedy is that he sits between sincerity and sarcasm. Like, I mentioned he's sarcastic, but then he'll get some, I think some of the best mo- moments in this movie are where you're not certain if he's really into playing the character or not, and he kind of plays it for a second. And and it's like that sitting between the real, like, the emotional reality and the production reality and when you i don't know when you get the balance right he, i think he does a really good job and you're you're absolutely right to say he steals the show at times um because there are these tender moments like him driving around in the car where you're like he's actually enjoying himself <laughs> like eating yeah caviar yeah but but what, what sets, i was saying you know. is he is fun to to follow in the movie like you're curious about what he's going to say or what he's going to do mm-hmm. and everyone else in the movie just feels like they're reading lines that that was just my feeling. I just wasn't convinced by any of the characters that they were that they were who well, they were playing. I think it's also like the the problem a lot of times with the, you know postmodern gesture, and we're talking about a human being here. So like for them, to, for your behave you know to behave a certain way, the problem sometimes is if you come off as like you're trying to be too smart, it doesn't work, right? Like if it seems intentional. It seems like yeah, the most, yeah, yeah. you know. Well, I, yeah, it's almost like thing. it's almost like uh, comedian acting is might be harder than. No, I don't think that's true. No, I, I think it's the difference between tight and loose, right? Okay, and, you know when you're creating stuff and there's like, if you get it too tight, like the concepts airtight, you're basically like, you know, it's very ungenerous of you because you're preventing anyone else from getting in. It's a very malicious act. I, I like I have a friend and. He, I recently did a, a, a work and he was like, no, 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 it would be so much better if you did X, Y, Z. And I was like, but then it's like suffocating. Like it completely, it's airtight. Like the argument is too good. And at that point it's mean, I think. And yeah. so I think what Bill Murray does that's kind of generous is like, he doesn't keep the argument airtight. Like he keeps it loose. He keeps it a little open. It's like the difference between air, improv and an Aaron Sorkin script. I don't know if you watched that movie, The Chicago 7. Um, the new Aaron Sorkin, no. which is on Netflix. But like, you know, every line is like, 
like a like a, a salvo, like an award. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Every every bit of drama like ratchets. I think up the Gilmore the Girls was like that, right? They yeah, just in a filled up the context. dialogue and no gaps yeah, whatsoever, yeah. and and like every line is the perfect comeback to the line before. <laughs> Exactly. Like you can see the writers' room just being like, "We're amazing." Yeah. Um, another, <laughs> another machete stab. Bang. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a certain aesthetic, but I think Bill Murray comes of an age like if I think of like movies like um, that he made early in his career, um, where it, almost like similar to um, you know other people of the time, like. Uh, what's his face like i'm getting that age where i forget names like robin williams or something where yeah, yeah. there's a certain flow to the performance and steve um, martin and every director yeah steve martin's similar and every director that works with these folks always says they always bring such great ideas to the script and you know like where does that come from it comes from actually like in the moment being like ah, i don't think this makes much sense wouldn't it be more interesting if we did <laughs> yeah. that, right? it also comes from uh, working in front of a live audience for a long time and yeah, doing that's true. yeah I, I I was thinking about the the platforms, Netflix and HBO, and where HBO is headed, where they wanted to outflick Netflix, Netflix, and now Apple's like, we'll take the HBO corner because HBO is becoming more broad. Like and HBO then there's, Max. yeah, and then and then um, Disney is like, well, we're family friendly, so Apple can't just do family friendly content, and they have to differentiate. And then Amazon just has. A bunch of stuff it just seems random but some hit shows i guess and um i i wanted to talk a little bit about the streaming platforms and and why this movie was made or how you mm -hmm. feel about that well yeah i mean there's a lot of money out there um i mean it's probably a really good time right? like for to make make content you probably get paid a lot um yeah i guess they figured out some of the pandemic stuff right there's this um there's a code that people can follow for pandemic production now or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so productions have resumed, as I understand. I have a member of my family works in post-production. Uh, one of the things that's interesting to me is that normally a production company or a movie studio, their business is to make movies. Mm -hmm. But now you have movie studios where these movies are not really what they make money on, but they're there to compete with the other ones because the other ones are doing it. That's the only reason. Like I, the oh, only okay. reason Apple is doing content is because the other guys are doing content. But I don't know if it is that different because, like, isn't Sony? You know, the typical example from the '90s. You know, where they were selling TVs and electronics. Oh yeah, and they that were makes also making movies. Yeah, that's um, similar. Yeah. But if we go all the way back to like the 19. But if you go to to Warner Brothers or MGM, like a classic Hollywood studio, I guess they also own theaters. Well, they also, yeah, and Disney, they own theme parks, right? Like the yeah. diversification is a is a common strategy. So okay. as a company develops. It no, just feels like Apple dropping in later and it wasn't, I think at first they're like, no, we're a computer company. We shouldn't make movies. And then like, oh, well, hold on. everybody's yeah. making movies now. So we should. And then famously, they were overspending in the beginning. They were just, well, they yeah, didn't have the right people. So they're like, oh, oh let's throw just... If for them it was so little money, so they're like, yeah, just, let's just throw five hundred million at each episode. It'll be fine. Oh dear, it's a major wind here. Um, no, but I wanted to say like it's it's basic um, business strategy though, and specifically like as a business grows, you know, it needs to show uh, more growth, right? Like yeah. this is yeah. how capitalism works, and like there are different strategies you can deploy to both protect your position, but also to enhance your position. And a common strategy to enhance your position as you grow and to demonstrate additional growth is called diversification. And by diversifying your portfolio of businesses, if, if you one would, business... If you would compare that to a restaurant, the growth would be like add items to the menu. Well, yeah, here, let me give you a restaurant strategy that we've all seen, you know, through the pandemic, which, you know, and if, if it'll, it'll happen even more now because of the pandemic, which is okay, we can't serve diners in the restaurant, so we're going to enhance our takeout experience and we're going to start offering groceries, like a pantry, right? We've seen that. Yeah. Um, and our merch or something like that. Yeah, maybe, if, and maybe we also do content, like we have a cooking show. and. Well, there you go, David Chang, right? So David yeah. Chang's like, you know, I've done the Momofuku thing. I've got my noodle bar. Okay, what's next? Okay, I'm going to do a Netflix special. I'm going to do like a contest. And the I'm reason gonna, like, I wanted to book. bring it back to food is that the food at the restaurant, as soon as the chef leaves because you're doing five different locations, the quality goes down. Mm. 
Well, because they're no lo- it's no longer their focus. It's David Chang is not in the kitchen anymore. He's recording a show. So Yeah, they, they call yeah. that in strategy. There's a word for that. Um, God, I'm forgetting it. But basically, um, it's the idea that you can be peerless in your category by simply focusing on one thing. Yeah. So one business strategy is be really, really specific, be the best in the world. Like it's a common, you know, kind of... Well, you, yeah, you can argue like maybe brands. Apple Apple is the best at making uh, uh, sm- small-sized hardware. Like no one else can make watches like yeah. they do and phones and whatever. They're definitely not the best in the world at making movies. I, I, I don't think they would even claim that. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, you, do you want to be Carnival Cruises or do you want to be Disney Cruises? Hmm. I think you want to be Disney, right? Because... They already they have a portfolio of other companies. Yes, their parks are down, their cruises are down. Like, <laughs> cruises are still so got the movies. Now. We still got those movies. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's I don't know if you watch the show Succession on HBO, but that's the perfect like meta discussion to have, which is through this like conglomeration and stuff. It's not just greed; it's really protection uh, and business strategy, right? It's like how can we get leverage? And then when you get vertically integrated leverage, it's even better, right? Because it's like, I own the chip company, therefore, like, I don't have yeah. to pay some profit on top of someone else. And then I own the, this and that. But it also makes you fragile because there's a lot of capital costs. Yeah, but this is um, all, um, and I, I think with, I just want to use the metaphor of food because it just becomes so crystal clear. Yeah. It's like, okay, McDonald's started as one restaurant and then they franchised, they they basically franchised more than anyone else and became the dominant force in food distribution. However, they also are like a major contributor to diabetes because sugar is cheap and addictive, so you just put it in the food. Heart mm-hmm. attacks. So it's it's this weird numbers game. And then the same with content. It's like, well, we need a 30-year-old something show and we need a 40-year-old something show and we're going to buy up all the directors and... We're going to tell them what to do, and it's going to be kind of boring, but they'll take it because it's the default on the device, and fuck you. So, I don't. It, it, yeah, I hear a lot of people that, saying like this is a great time for content, and I'm not so sure. I guess it's the same as Internet Explorer in 19, you know, 90s kind of world. Um, there, where potentially it's also like non-competitive, and you might end up with a lot of vanilla content because. Yeah. Um, it's not real competition if everyone. No, and I don't think spreadsheets make uh, a, a good way to develop art. Or maybe so, they are, I don't know. I mean, the counter-argument, of course, is YouTube, which, I th- as I understand it, is has more, like, that's the one stock, because all the tech stocks are tanking right now, but Google reported earnings, and they were ahead on advertising dollars, and people were spending more time on on YouTube, apparently. So yeah. the, counter- the counter-argument, though, there, the algorithms, again, favor some of the giants. Well, they're also free. They're cheaper mm-hmm. than the rest. That's true. Why are all the tech stocks uh, tanking? Well, like if you look at their growth, yes, it's great, but it, they're they're maxing out, and and also there's all this antitrust noise. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple reported, reported you know record earnings, but they're one percent higher. To my point earlier, to get you know say something like ten percent growth or something, which an investor might want, you know, to beat their savings account, you know, rate. Um, at a company size of a trillion, like the, you have to take over a whole industry to give them that. <laughs> yeah, it's so wild. <laughs> so they have to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, medical, we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. entertainment, we got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the funny thing. Like they have this portfolio and they're like a $2 trillion company. And in their movie studio, the budget is, at, let's say, $50 billion, which for mm-hmm. a movie studio is a lot of money. And for them, it's like a pimple. Yeah. It's like, oh, we popped that zit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of money. And and I do think that shows in the content. It's not an so existential are, issue for them. Like, they really try their hardest to make the iPhone okay. amazing. Well, I know this is supposed to be about on, on the rocks, but now that's about Apple TV. I'm going to tell you my favorite Apple TV show. And if you do not watch this and do not love the it. The one with the motorcycles? Yes, it's amazing. It's so good. <laughs> it's it's yeah. called On the Way Up. It's basically this podcast as a motorcycle adventure. <laughs> <laughs> it's two best friends. And like you realize... And so Ewan you enjoy McGregor, watching it. Ewan McGregor is like a... Like he's like, he's a saint. Like <laughs> like throughout the... It's such a well-produced... I don't know. There's Someone please email me and tell me all the things that are wrong with it. Definitely yeah. there's like some privilege built into it. But there's also like... Ewan McGregor seems like highly reflective about his privilege and is like adopted people all over the world. But isn't there <laughs> an enormous history of... of- Beloved shows that are aspirational. 
Well, I don't think watching watching things that are unattainable are by default bad. Like the the whole no, history just, of of, of watching exceptional people do things that you can't do. I think that's basically like the whole basis yeah. of storytelling. No, I just think this is a wonderful show. And also, like what they do is they they ride these motorcycles and they the plan falls apart over and over again. And then these accidental encounters that they have with people on their on their motorcycle. Don't their e bikes like, run out of battery all the time? Early on, they do because it's cold weather and they're prototypes. Also, that's wonderful. Like nothing goes to plan, and that's what's the, be- the best thing about the show. Okay. And Kristen and I actually look forward to this ridiculous. Like, okay. Well, it should be good. a YouTube show. I think. I like, think. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, overall, if I look at all the networks, I like the HBO shows the most. So. Yeah. So doing, far, they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you like su- Succession? Yeah, that's a great show. Yeah, that's it's HBO, well right? funny mm-hmm. yeah i mean now this this like, podcast idea at first was like oh we're in a pandemic we should help people choose what to watch that's right that's where we started yeah and then i'm always the negative nancy who any movie we review i'm like this is bad i can do better no you're like let's dig into the criterion archives <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah which no one but will ever a, subscribe not, to. i mean remember also entertainment exists to relieve stress so like every time we yeah dig into that criterion collection but there is so I, there's lots to think about. Sometimes there's the want default to think. aspect here where Apple uh, made the Apple One plan where you combine uh, iCloud storage and Apple Care and movies and Apple Music and whatever, and it's all a combo just like Amazon Prime. So a lot of people watch stuff that ha- if they had the cho- choice, they would watch the HBO shows, but it's more and more the monopoly power. So it's like, well, it comes with my phone. Like Apple TV literally comes for free with the p- purchase of a new phone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will just watch stuff that's not... It's like being on an airplane and there's just a bunch of movies in front of you. And it's like, well, I know it's bad, but I have six hours to go. So Yeah. There's this a concept, though, like when you're bundling software services, there's zero like marginal... Like there's zero additional cost. Yeah, them. it's crazy. Just to put it in yeah. simple. Like, there's not even a box. For, there's not even they, a package. Yeah. They can give it away for free. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no distribution cost. <laughs> there's no production cost. It's yeah. all upside. Um, I, I, the only thing, I hate it that they ask for like 50 cents or something for 50 gigabytes. And then the next tier is a terabyte. And I'm like, there's no actual difference for you guys. Like, Well, like cloud storage does cost money. It doesn't cost that much money. At this point, it's like pennies on the terabyte yeah so yeah it should it's they could easily have built it into the profit margin of the phone like they they could easily say like when you buy a new phone you get the same amount of gigabytes as the phone for free in iCloud and your phone is backed up yeah of course happy of course yeah yeah but then they wouldn't have that you know that additional service revenue revenue opportunity yeah they wouldn't have that growth that we're all all us shareholders are looking for i am a shareholder i should disclose (laughs) but um yeah so Mind you, there's is there any there's are there any Netflix show you shows you're into now? Um, well, yeah, I just watched this like The Queen's Gambit. This is turning into a free for all. Yeah, yeah. Did, it, it's a, it's about chess. <laughs> it's about a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about I heard Kara really Swisher on her on her podcast praising it. Queen's Gambit, amazing. It's the it, as my mother in law said, I'm just sad because it's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> did it's she say that about TV or about life in general? No, just the, the show because it's a mini series. It's never. Gonna uh, be a I thought I thought this was like she's just sitting in the porch looking at the sun going down and like how oh, sad <laughs> this is going to end. No, I think sometimes when you have a mini series or something and it's no, so I know, I know, so well put together. I, like, I had that with Twin Peaks where you just you just they're like oh these are my friends and then I'm not going to see them anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was probably what it felt like not uh, when we canceled the podcast <laughs> and brought it back. Did you watch um, the 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 reboot of Twin Peaks? I did. I did not actually, no. and I I think I've said this a few times on the podcast. Contradictory to my nature, I've never been like the Twin Peaks fanatic that my closest friends are. Okay, like, all of my friends are Twin Peaks super fans. Yeah, and I I don't know if that's had an effect, but every time I bring like, you know any Twin Peaks stuff up, they, they, they intimidate me with their knowledge. Like I feel shamed <laughs> into a Twin Peaks corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so I kind of shut up, but it's, so if you want it, yeah, if you want to shut me up, that's one way you can do it for sure. <laughs> oh, I don't want to. No, no, that, that wouldn't make a very good podcast, but, uh, I'm happy to talk about David Lynch t- uh, I, and his weather forecasts, which are going strong and they're incredible. People should tune into those for sure. Yeah. But the, did, did you think the music in the movie was remarkable? Do you remember it? 
in this film because we're talking and we're back on the rocks. Yeah, on the rocks. Okay, we're definitely out of out of sorts today. Um, the music in the trailer is really good. So Sofia Coppola and in the movie, therefore, it's very good. Uh, Sofia Coppola, obviously well known for packaging soundtracks and tying. Yeah, like the finding the cool film. song that you forgot about and say, like, "Oh, I love that song." Yeah, exactly. Um, and in this film, it's similar, I think. And, I mean, no, Lost in Translation had the karaoke scenes also, the kind of really yeah. using music and, yeah. Yeah, and I think Virgin Suicides, you know, probably launched Air. Remember that French band, yeah. Air? Their career yeah. was really launched on the Virgin Suicides. Yeah. I don't know where they are now. But well, so, it's that whole um, atmosphere of, of, of Spike Jones and Sofia Coppola and all the people around that who made a lot of music videos. They're and, cool. They're cool. Like, and maybe graphic that's the arts best. And, Maybe that's just the best way to describe this film and the reason you don't like it, which is it's a, it's a cool movie, like for old pe- for older people. It's like, if you're middle-aged, this is a cool movie. A24, Bill Murray, yeah. Rashida Jones, yeah. Sofia Coppola, good soundtrack. Marlon Wayans, hey, it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Let's watch it. Yeah, that sounds cool. Hey, it's set in New York. It's in Soho. What? What do you have to yeah. worry about? Just, it's like, a, it's like, it's a, it's a gesture drawing. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like. Just feels, uh, it's definitely it feels non-offensive. Kind of like, like no one. I think they made sure that everybody's comfortable. I mean, who doesn't want to go down to Mexico and like you know run around in a golf cart with Bill Murray? It's by the way that's the scene <laughs> in the film, but it's, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, but but I can't that. remember the music. I, did you? Um, well, what was I, the like, role of the music the, the in the sound, film? Like the soundtrack, I actually can't cite it right now. But if you listen to the film or the trailer, you'll identify. Like you're like, I know that song. I like that song. Well, who is that? By? Yeah, you know, be like. Oh yeah, um, I forgot that the Strokes. <laughs> I, I don't think the Strokes actually in the yeah in the movie, but yeah. they're back with a new album. Um, but yeah. it's like that. There's like a certain like nostalgia built into the soundtrack. Yeah. Soundtrack, right? So, but it, um, yeah, I, I would say the movie feels like uh, they took a proven formula and tried to do it again, but it wasn't as good as the original. So that that goes back to the franchising food thing, like. Mm-hmm take the thing that was so wonderful and then just make lots of it? Yeah, I guess. I mean, that would be like, I think we haven't thrown the same criticism at like, um, you know, some of the other auteurs that we've had on on the podcast. Like, Well, I'm, know, I'm not throwing a criticism at Sofia Coppola. I'm not throwing a criticism at this film. So, mm-hmm. Well, I just think because like it's a, it ends up being, because it's an auteur movie, I think it falls into a genre of films that, only she would make, and then. Yeah. But how is know, this an auteur? I'm not so sure it is. I feel like so I there's. Think a, follow, I follow, I think it follows the same themes and styles of her okay. other films, like you know, loneliness, detachment, identity. Um, you know, self. There was one character that I liked was the other mom. Like uh, the mom in this movie always picks up her kids from school, and there's a woman she stands in line with, and she's. I know her from uh, the Crawl Show. Oh yeah. And she's always babbling, and she really is annoyed with her, but she never says anything. There was, a, there, was there was, there was a repetitive element to the movie that was interesting. This sort of day in day out thing. Yeah, Jenny Slate is the character in question, and she's yeah. like the annoying person in line um, that has so much to tell you about their life in crisis, and you know, kind of TMI, like too much information all the time, and always about herself. Yeah. Yeah, and never ask you a single question, which for Kristen and I, that's like our one pet peeve. Like if we go visit friends or we hang out with, I mean, they don't stay friends long at, at that point. But yeah, if in the t- we'll like make this, we'll go in. It's like a military campaign. No, it's it's something Christine and I do sometimes. We'll go to a restaurant and eavesdrop, and sometimes there's a table where only one person talks the whole meal, and you just yeah. see all the other people being miserable. Yeah, yeah. So that was maybe the highlight of the movie for me. It's a good rule of branding too. Like if it's all about you, then no one's interested. Really got to be in dialogue. Um, it's got to be more like you and I chatting and talking to folks and bringing others in. It's more interesting that way anyway, right? You got to have multiple yeah. perspectives. Um, yeah. Hopefully. Ask a question. Try asking yeah. a question. Hey, yeah. And, and, and do you okay. see do you see trends in the streaming platforms that they're changing or that they're out-competing each other or that it's gotten better because there are more players? Hmm. You're really, you're really interested. In, why are you so interested in this? The number of streaming platforms, and you really I, think it's fundamental I'm, shift. Yeah, I'm. I'm very interested in. Um, um, I was talking to someone that part of the radicalization and of of politics and the division is that a lot of people have too much time on their hands, and I feel like the streaming platforms are also getting into this issue, 
And I've always been interested if, if technology solves all the chores, then mm -hmm. what do we do with our time? And so th in that sense, it makes sense that an automation company or a computer company would always also make entertainment. Mm -hmm. Well, someone's got to make money. The one thing I'll say is like, there are no, you, the last time you saw an advertisement was probably quite a long time ago, like a, a TV ad. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason for, outside of Instagram, which is basically just an advertising farm, but like, the reason for that is that all these companies that don't earn money from advertising, right, that's not their primary business model, suddenly started making content, right? So there's an interesting trade that happens, obviously, in that arrangement. I think one thing you're pointing out, which is that, like, why would they be algorithmic if they have no incentive to do so, right? Because yeah. like, they don't need to drive more eyeballs. Well, if, if you go back to YouTube, they do still have ads. And then it's also a much more political platform than Netflix or HBO but on, even on YouTube, you can buy your way out of the ads with a yeah. subscription, which is do, interesting. Do you? Because like, well, imagine it was 1985, and I'm like, hmm, you know what? I don't like these ads on cable. Yeah. I'm going to pay. Do you like pay $5 for YouTube Premium? Uh, no, I don't. No, I I used to. I have AdBlock on the laptop, and then I don't see the YouTube ads, and then I have AdBlock on the phone, and I do see the ads. So I, something you know changed. Weird? My the router, phone. my internet router, which I mentioned in our deceased version of this podcast, it yeah. has ad blocking built in. Oh, is, does it work? Weird? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, I can't tell. This advertising is so diverse now. I don't even know what is advertising. Like, <laughs> this is the other ad. thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, content is, I've, I've worked in advertising my whole life. Very few, like, very little of what we consider, like, advertising fits into a banner ad or a television ad anymore. So, so you're I saying. Mean, you're, I think your point is that On the Rocks is an ad. That's what I keep hearing from you. Yeah. Because you mentioned. You keep mentioning Spike Jones alongside no, uh, well, Sofia Coppola, who's a, and he's well known as an advertising director early in his yeah. career, especially. And um, I think that you've. I think it feels a little bit like an ad, and I think you're right. Well, like, it, it feels, it, like, it an feels like an ad in the sense that, like, okay, if I buy Apple products, I'm part of this world of successful creatives that have a diverse set of friends that are open to the world, people who travel. Uh, people who yeah. are a bit eccentric. It's a lovely, it's a lovely yeah. silk scarf. It's it's a it's a great set of um of of bags of of baggage, you know, of luggage. It's yeah. a it's a wonderful tea set. It's like a it's it's an exquisite lamp for your living room. It's and, all and one of, of the things. one of the things that I thought was interesting in the movie is the role of the wardrobe, and that um, the the mother Rashida Jones is sort of. Very casual, but she's wealthy. Her family is wealthy. And then mm -hmm. the husband is doing the startup, so he hasn't proven himself. He still has to build his wealth. And he even says at some point in the movie, I did this to impress you, and that's why I work so hard, and that's why I haven't been home so much. And he's mm -hmm. the most dressed up. He's in suits. And then Bill Murray, he has the money, and he seems like he came from money so he could be eccentric. He wears suits, but he wears them in a weird way, and they're kind of baggy and no tie and messy, mm -hmm. and his car is kind of broken. So it seems like he has the money, but he's not that precious about it. And so the three yeah. the three characters, like the the daughter or the mother, is is an artist, so she doesn't have to dress up, and she's comfortable. And the dad kind of wears suits, but you know he he's playful with it. And then the husband is really trying to make it. Mm -hmm. You're really describing and, like uh, the the nightmare scenario of every partner I've ever had in our family. My family. <laughs> and, is, and and actually. and one one thing <laughs> I wanted to say is she has a birthday party, and she gets a food mixer from her husband as a gift, a very practical, not romantic gift. And then Bill Murray says, "Oh, I saw her walking. I saw your husband walking into Cartier. He was probably buying something for his mistress." Mm -hmm. And then she gets the, the food mixer, and she's very sad, but she doesn't talk to him about it. And then three weeks later, he gives her a Cartier watch. And he's like, yeah, I didn't know it took that long to have it engraved. She has uh, to take off her dad's watch. Yeah. I thought she was going to have to take off an Apple watch. And that but it's, if, it, it reminded me of all the, the, the... I haven't seen much of Sex in the City, but I saw the movie, mm -hmm. I think, on the airplane. And it was all like... The peak of happiness is always around a product. Mm, interesting. So yeah, the, emotion, the emotional peak here in this movie, when they mm. really understand each other and they're close to each other again is when she gets an expensive gift i do get a lot of what you're saying because ultimately this film is a mood board for um 
a brand. Yeah, it's almost Apple like a wedding record. registry where you're like, okay, they want this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, it, and it, and essentially, Apple wants the brand position to be for their company to be. We are the good taste company. Mm-hmm. You're going to choose our films and our channel and our products because we're the taste arbiters. And if you have the taste arbitration position in any market, you have a huge advantage, right? Because you don't. No one wants to look like they have bad taste, right? Like, and of course. Bad taste has been, you know, good taste at times. Like Martha Stewart was really great at convincing America that terrible taste was like, you know, within reach. You know, yeah, and then there's just, and then there's the punk moment where someone is like, "Oh, all those things you like are actually corny, and we're going to flip everything." Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, if we bring it back to art, you know, artists always hold the upper hand, uh, or not always, but in this particular case, they have the, the ability to make. I'll give you an example, like. Um, which is like a bit sensitive to me, but we, we did, we were doing some rebranding at work, which is like a long, long story, but we, and we launched a new logo, which is the, the worst idea by the way. And I've avoided it for 10 years, but like, it's like, we know we're going to just like update a few things and like m- wanted to really make sure that the, the logo had some significant faults with it as a matter of aesthetic, like an aesthetic choice, because for it to be too perfect would be um, in my opinion, like distasteful. But like the people that like jump on top of it, like there, there's this, have you ever been to this website called brand new under consideration? It's no. like the, the taste arbitration, uh, blog for logo redesigns. <laughs> so, you know, of course, <laughs> if you read, like the comments are just so, I mean, they're brutal. Like I was like sleepless. Right? So they're also like, all of that it's goes always, over their head because no, but they've decided, always, you know, that, it's Swiss typography. It's like 1965, and there was that's perfection, and we, ne- you know, the taste should not deviate from that norm, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's really interesting because it's a lot more boring if everyone were to look the same. Uh, and I, I, I remember TechCrunch had a redesign, and there was the comments were hilarious, and someone was like, "Looking at this website feels like my eyes are being uh, soaked in bleach." <laughs> Well, there's one thing I've learned is that, yeah, you don't want to redo talk about a rebrand or a new logo because everyone has an opinion about it. I know. You remember um, the Snapchat redesign and everyone was pissed? And uh, yeah. Well, you mean the Instagram one? Or no, like, I think also the Snapchat interface and people were so upset. Oh, the interface. And they changed yeah, it back. Never change your interface. Don't change anything. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> and then you don't change anything like, and everybody's bored and they leave. But I'm going to try and make a good point here, which is like, okay, now let's take that that culture that exists in tech actually, because there's a lot of nerves around changing anything anymore. Um, And let's transpose that on a tech company that is making content. And you might be really nervous to try, you know, you you think of Netflix as being experimental, but they're absolutely not experimental at all. They're basically like, nope, this is the data driven that we're going to deliver. Yeah. It's completely data driven. And yeah. And I wouldn't even say it's data informed. You're right. It's data driven. So the data says we have to do this. We will do this. And I think at that point, um, yeah, we're heading for a place where I think probably there are some new brands that come out and say, like, this is ridiculous. We're going to do some wacky well, stuff. Well, it I does think- seem like YouTube, the way their algorithms work is it uh, it doesn't push good taste, but it pushes extreme emotions. Um, hmm. So also, outrage. Explain. Sorry? How does that work? What do you mean? Like, well, oh, outrage, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, YouTube is ad-driven, so it, it's, it's based on... Uh, not on like feeling comfortable. Ten mistakes and I made buying a car or something yeah. like that. Or and when you turn on Netflix, you don't want to be radicalized. You want to chill. Mm-hmm. So it, Netflix is paid for. The, you pay for the content, and YouTube you well, watch. I'm reminded, for free. like, remember that magazine Vice? It, it was New York Toronto yeah. magazine. Yeah. And they actually remember you spoke at a conference a few years ago. Remember we met that the the we met the Baroness of Archie magazine. That was crazy. Remember the Archie comics, but you. Oh, spoke. Yeah. Yeah, and but just before you speaking or just after you, I can't remember. Was like the head of like the Vice content like media empire, and they were like, "We're the fastest growing media empire on the planet, and our brand is going to be counter cultural." Right? Remember? Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but like I don't, but and, I understand. Um, yeah. But it completely dissolved because you know they're they well a bunch of stories right, but related to their founder, um, you know, came out and. You know, Proud Boys and all kinds of weird. But they're still doing well. Stuff. I think they they're a cable network now. Are they cable yeah. network? Yeah, yeah they're like 
like my parents have cable here in the Netherlands and they have Vice and like they show Bob Ross and then other shows and well there you go there's your answer maybe Vice is still good but like yeah. that was I'm the, not saying it's good or bad but it's definitely still going but my question is like if I, I mean maybe it would be more interesting if an Apple you know a company like Apple with a cash position to take risks wasn't like hmm, let's make a, a show with Jason Momoa about like <laughs> that's game bad <laughs> well, that, of game no of thrones. but the whole premise even before they came up with the idea of the show that like we need a Game of Thrones which is already defensive because Apple is known for inventing categories even you could mm -hmm. argue they didn't invent the smartphone but they did define it mm -hmm. and they weren't playing uh, catch up. And in the entertainment, it seems like they're playing catch up. I just don't think if you're in a dominant position, you can make, you can actually no, take the pioneer position because yeah. people, I, I've, I mean, we've all seen this and I'm probably experienced it even as artists, which is like, if you're too early with an idea, people are like, what are you thinking? Yeah. You know? And then like 10 years yeah, later. Yeah. And then wow. content is risky. Yeah. So it's just, a, they're not in the position. So it needs to be an upstart. And no, but what, what I mean upstart, is like, if a, I think, I'm not sure if Uncut Gems was paid for by Amazon or Netflix or something, but one of those. It was an A24, though. Like yeah, but it, probably Netflix footed the bill or something because it, mm -hmm. it was on Netflix very soon. And um, and that's a risky movie that might offend people. Um, but Netflix has so much content that it wouldn't stand out. But I think if Apple had sponsored that movie and it was like the fifth movie they ever did, then people would be like, oh, we don't like this. This is offensive and blah, blah. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Potentially, as a final point, some of these companies will go away. And one did just go away in the last couple of weeks. A company, a new streaming company called Quibi, which was just uh, yeah. mobile content for mobile phones. Did you watch any Quibi? That was like what millennials designing products, uh, like Zoomers, sorry, boomers designing products for millennials. Did you watch any Quibi shows? When you, no. Did you have no. no, but the whole premise was that you could watch it on the go and then the pandemic happened. So that didn't help. I watched one. I, it was a game show, it was kind of crazy. It was definitely like sort of different, um, but I didn't really have patience for it. It didn't fit into. Here's the thing: like, it didn't well, they were fit trying to be between YouTube and, and long form. But I was like, when am I? I'm not going to sit down and watch Quibi when I, like I would have. That's what YouTube was for. It was trying to fill this thing, and there's yeah. this concept in um, in design and product design of when you're this this concept of jobs and this concept of a switch interview to uncover what a job is and so i'm gonna go try and go really quick here but like people don't want drills they want holes okay great okay so establish that they want holes so in entertainment you know people don't want television shows they want a way to pass the time okay so uh youtube and apple <laughs> so and depressing. quibi they all they all compete against each other to fill time okay how am i going to fill time well it's going to be relevant to the context i'm in okay well what context am i in, am I in? Well, unfortunately for Quibi, I'm in my living room. I'm not on the subway anymore because of a pandemic. Yeah. And so with my an, time is no longer with a 45 50-inch screen. Yeah, I don't need I don't need to fill 30 seconds. I need to fill 5 hours because I'm bored <laughs> at home, right? I'm just talking as like the American scene. So it's terrible timing for them. I think the content was also probably uh, Yeah, but I think the, I think YouTube the pandemic didn't have much to do with it. I think the whole Quibi uh, for our listeners Quibi what had a, a cool technical idea that you could watch the show in portrait or uh, landscape. You could just <laughs> orient really your phone cool? and and it would adapt. I mean, it's similar to those choose your own adventure books. Like, it sounds like a cool idea. You can change the plot as you're reading. But yeah, it sounds to me like a comic book that comes with stickers. You know, like yeah. it, it, it's just like it's not it's not that big a revolution. It's like wow. No. You can smell yeah. this comic book. <laughs> yeah, it's like the smell of vision is incredible. So it, anyway, I just think it didn't really have a. Uh, it's a. It's key awareness also was sab. You know, this was the yeah. pandemic was sabotaged a bit. Regardless, the content wasn't interesting, and they could have taken a risk position. Um, and their whole thing was that they're spending more money than anyone else on weirder content, and then the content wasn't really very weird. Um, I think well, I, I, it's hard to compete with YouTube for weird content. Well, that's my final point, which is like, we're going to have two worlds, right? If we think of the job that has to be done, right? The hole that needs to be drilled. We need a hole that's full of tiny, weird things that take you down a rabbit hole. Instagram and YouTube actually TikTok. fill that hole. Yeah. TikTok. TikTok is the perfect example. Thank you. Um, so they fill that hole. And then we want long, high-quality content that we can spend an Game evening of with our loved ones watching yeah. Yeah, and look forward to. Uh, like it's Mandalorian. And Disney like has nailed that. It's incredible an incredible show. 
and you're going to wait for every Friday or you're going to be, it's a Netflix show and you're going to binge watch it over a whole weekend. Yeah. It's done. We're done. It's all figured out, Raph. The only thing I'm sad about (laughs) is that uh, Seinfeld is not on Netflix and I just refuse to pay for Hulu Premium just for Seinfeld, but I miss that show. Oh, is that on Hulu? I think um, I can watch that on what's called Crave here in Canada, which bundles oh, okay. HBO Max, HBO, Hulu. Everything got bundled into one service here that's I, a little cheaper. I looked up all the pricing of this, the all the streaming networks, and there, there was a web page if you get all the streaming networks, so the sports networks, the news, all of them, Peacock, Netflix, all, all of them together, you're paying $480 a month. Oh, wow. So the idea was that, oh, this is a la carte, you're going to save money compared to a cable subscription, but then... That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how anything works. <laughs> yeah, I can see you smoking a pipe, and like walking into a movie set. That's not how it works. <laughs> let me tell you something, kid. I'm here to yeah. burst the bubble. Yeah, let me tell you how economics work in this situation. <laughs> I've been in business a few years. I know I'm a thing or two about like, a thing yeah. or two, yeah. I'm a poor man, Scott Galloway. Let me tell you how. This goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, for our he was at that same conference, uh, if you remember. <laughs> oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, conferences. There is something that doesn't exist. If you're trying to compete against conferences right now, I mean, I know. I, heart goes out to all the conferences that are trying to do things online. Well, but, podcasts you know, are the what? new conferences. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Because you can have a bath and listen. You don't have to. It's better than going to the conference. Yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of which, time for a bath. No, I actually had one just before this podcast. But <laughs> you're you're living in New York, so baths are too. That's a luxury thing, right? It doesn't exist. And no one has oh. a bath in New York. No, I, I think. Oh, but even, you're in the Netherlands right now, so you're back in bath country. No, but uh, <laughs> even our tiny apartment on Mott Street, we had a bath in the place where now we have a bath. I, I think actually in the Netherlands, a lot of people are so practical, they would rather save the space than have a smaller bathroom, and so they oh, only have a shower. They just have like a garden hose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> is fine, cool. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need the water to be hot, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you just use a toothbrush. Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a bad Scandinavian accent as a Dutch accent. Well, you're actually Dutch, too, so you could just yeah. speak Dutch. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be in, in the Netherlands for very much longer? I think uh, eight more days, and then uh, I'm going to Florida for three days, and then back home. Oh, wow. It's, you're going to see Christina's family? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's nice. That's great. We're I bringing mean, we're our dog that. to the other dogs of the other part of the family. We're not traveling. We can't travel. Uh, certainly, we can't travel to the U.S., even though we have American family. That you can like travel to the U.S. You just bring a letter. You say, it's, I'm on an important business meeting. Mm, I guess. I think it's just an excuse for you not to have to go. No, no, but it would be really socially uncouth to do that as a Canadian to go to the U.S. right now. Yeah. You'd come back and be like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Why'd you go to the meth lab? Yeah. We do. uh, I am thinking about all of our American friends and family, though, and I I wish everyone the best of luck this week. Yeah. It's serious times. Weird times. um, We uh, Hopefully we've offered a little bit of... It's 2.39. Okay, thanks for that, Siri. Uh, we hopefully we've offered a little bit of. Um, <laughs> thanks, that was so helpful. <laughs> a little bit of relief. Yeah, that was perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, the date and time today is sad- Sunday, two forty p.m. here in Toronto. Um, have you but, have you found any use for voice computing? I mean, yeah, my whole. You know, we have like twenty five Alexas in our house, and um, that was a, originally a social experiment. I think I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but we're probably a lot, there's no one listening anymore, so we can talk about this. Um, <laughs> okay, for the like, hardcore fans. <laughs> yeah, I think like you're going to be critical of um, of something. You really got to feel that criticism firsthand. And so, yeah, because for me, that's more, it's just more interesting. Like, how can I critique new media if I'm not immersed in it? But like, so what's, what's uh, your favorite way of using it? Or what are the things you use it for? Um, weather, podcast, news, um, facts. If you're watching a TV show, here's something people might not know. You can be like, hey, like, what are the reviews for this? Or who's that? Or when did they die? How old are they? Oh, cool. That kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I do that a lot. And I notice my parents do that too. Like I got them something and it'll be like, who's this bozo? Assistant. Yeah. Like what the, <laughs> what the hell? Is that a good price for the, for three knives? I don't know. <laughs> What's that guy's um, net worth? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
So for that, it's great because you don't want to pick up your phone in the middle of a show or something like that. I know. It's, or I find it's that terrible. really rude. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Anyways. Okay. And you can turn so the lights on and off. That's like hope everyone's still there. alive next week. Everyone will still be alive. Um, please tune in for our emergency broadcast scheduled for this time <laughs> next week. We'll have tips and tricks. Well, one thing's, one thing's for sure. In about four days, half the country is going to be really upset. No, you know, well, okay, that's that's true, but also there there won't necessarily be an answer. That's one thing. Yeah, so this is going to drag yeah. out. We'll definitely talk about it again. It's like um, it's it's like the worst part of reality TV where they drag out the the finale for too long. Oh yeah, it's like behind the scenes time. So the and the per next person we're going to throw out is next week. <laughs> yeah, next. <laughs> and when they gave you the rose, what were you thinking? <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. All right. Well, enjoy your time in Europe. I know things aren't aren't great there either right now, but um, stay safe. We are good and in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a crisis there. You can't hide it. I noticed you were very mum about it this week. Yeah. Um, anyway, take care and stay safe. Say hi to your mom. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>